You're listening to NFT 365, the first daily podcast on NFTs with your host, Fanzo, talking crypto, blockchain, Web3, non-fungible tokens, metaverse, and... What the f*** is a non-fungible token? We'll get to that. Welcome back to another episode of NFT 365. As most of you know, my background is in cybersecurity. Spent a decade working in the Pentagon in cybersecurity. And we've talked a lot about security. We talked a lot about the need to onboard people in a way that makes a lot of sense for not only newbies, but for, let's just face it, for all of us entering uh, this journey of Web3. And a lot of this non-custodial custodial wallet conversation comes down to you know teaching people new habits also understanding the role of technology and in some cases we look at it and rail have to own the fact that we often were complaining that you know if target got hacked and their credit cards were uh, credit card numbers were uh, were stolen we would be like how dare target but yet we'd also have to remember that they have millions of dollars of people that are spent building security around that. And there are hackers and things that happen everywhere. But then on the same point of that is that if we have our own control of things, we, we can also know where that kind of goes. And in Web3, the beauty I look at of this space is that we are able to kind of find that harmony between technology and what we're doing uh, and, and as not only as humans and humanity, but also kind of that balance of of risk versus reward. And and one of the products that I've mentioned a ton on this show since day one, and uh, you know, my daughters each have their own ledger uh, for their uh, their NFTs, which is, uh, you know, my daughter's 12, 11, and nine. And so I'm starting them off young. Although I learned down the road, I probably could have just done one ledger and three accounts, but we won't go down that way, or maybe we'll tap into that a little bit uh, with our current guests. So uh, excited to bring in Ariel. Thank you so much for for joining the podcast. Let the audience know a little bit about your background and your current role at Ledger, and then we'll talk a little bit of all things Ledger and Web3. Awesome. Well, thank you for having me, Brian. I'm a fan of the show. And uh, yeah, so I run all global communications and marketing for Ledger. And what's really fascinating is my background is actually more in storytelling. I was at Vice Media for a really long time um, from 2014 to 2019 and built out all of our sort of female and identity content with a lot of amazing people, um, helped on our HBO show, got to see a lot of different things progress. And really before that was in politics and was always interested in what is the biggest way to kind of reach the most people with the least red tape? And in my time at Vice, so much of it was about, you know, like the person on the ground getting to share their message to millions of people. And so I got to see the development of the creator economy. And when I started to learn about Web3, it was because I was really interested from the media perspective of creators actually getting access for their IP and rights over the things that they were making, which to me felt like this is the only way it can be now. But in traditional media and all these things, it was like, no, 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 you still have to conform. And segmentation wasn't actually providing revenue opportunities for creators or the ability to maintain their audience. Um, and so I found out about Ledger because what I thought was so fascinating is Ledger is really you know, chain agnostic. And the way that it exists is it secures your digital life. So whether you're interested in gaming, you're more obsessed with Tezos or, you know, you're a diehard NFT person through ETH, like we're there to make sure that whatever your collectible is stays secure. And over time, because there's no, there's no going backwards from the internet. So over time, this will be of more and more use cases. And it was really fascinating for me to be like, okay, well, how do we 
tell that story in a way where more people understand it and understand their rights around around such an important topic. And if you don't secure it and you lose it, you're screwed. Well, I mean, and you mentioned, you know, a big fan of Vice, but I mean, not to, you were also nominated for an Emmy, right? I believe that uh, in uh, being correct. So not only the, yeah. you know, background in, in media, but you, I mean, award-winning, I'm curious, like, I love that creator economy component. And we talk a lot about that here in this space, because for me, that was a lot of my career, you know, speaking. And then I did, you know, I've done, you know, six figures of influencer work a year for the last, you know, seven plus years. And a lot of that for me was because I was able to tap into a lot of this experience I had. It wasn't really creator economy based. It was, you know, influencer brand relationship. And so I'm curious from like that idea of storyteller and securing our digital life. How, like, how, you know, when you were first getting into the ledger ecosystem, I mean, for me, I had a hardware wallet for my crypto that was not, was before uh, I had a ledger, but I hadn't actually thought about using one to secure my NFTs early on. It was kind of like, oh, that's where my crypto goes. And then looking at what Ledger's done since, you know, I started kind of jumping in the space now 19, 20 months ago, it, you know, not only have they emerged as, you know, the one all be all when it comes to hardware wallets, there's also the marketplace and Ledger Live and, and a lot of these other moving parts. How has it been for you on the, you know, as a storyteller, as a media creator, how has this journey been now being on the Ledger side and kind of seeing all this kind of things grow across the board? Well, what's fascinating is it's really nice when you have something good to work with, right? Like you're not spinning things out of nothing. So the benefit to me is I get to work with great people who invented something really fascinating, which is that technically there can be many hardware wallets, but we actually build on top of a secure element chip and we take it very seriously. Like even this screen, like having a trusted display screen is essential because you actually have to see what you sign. So there are all of these choices that we make on a daily basis. And so when I came in, I was like, and this is part of why, you know, I joined with Ian, you know, Ian Rogers brought me in, who's our chief experience officer. And I always joke that Ian's like the um, smart Forrest Gump of the internet. Like he's been a part of every movement before it's like really become huge. And to me, it was like, this ledger is an amazing utility, but it's not a lifestyle brand. And what we're betting on is that people are going to make a user behavior change. And if they are going to do that, then cultural authority has to precede product authority because they're making a choice based on, to your point, an NFT that they like, something that they believe in, right? Like it's something you ascribe to. And in order to create a new habit, like you have to really care about that thing you ascribe to and you have to see other people doing it. And so we really had to flip the script and it reminded me honestly of like really early vice days of like, we need to make it so that people who are early leaders in culture are showing that this is new money. This is cool. This is something that has um, really, you know, an aspirational brand quality. Like if someone sees this about you, they know you're in the space, they know you get it. And maybe you have one of our collabs, like what we did with Fenty or Hugh Blow, but even Bobby Hundreds and Friends. Like to me, it became very clear that we, and I'm lucky to work with a great team, but we got to have really good bones and then say, how do we make the bones come to life in a way that feels irreplaceable? And to your point, we've become the Kleenex of the space. Right. And it doesn't matter if you only like you can you everyone's welcome at the ledger party, which <laughs> is great for us. Like we're you know, that agnosticness is important. We're here to support artists. We're here to make sure people are empowered and educated about their experience. And we just want to keep people secure. It's pretty it's it, it makes it simple. Right. Like the mission doesn't change, which is a beautiful thing. You know, I worked a decade in cybersecurity and there was nothing ever 
you know, sexy or brand agnostic. It was you know, like McAfee was my client for nine years and it was McAfee versus Symantec and a lot of these like, you know, nuanced things in the cybersecurity space. And I remember for me, part of like the hardware wa wallet conversation it is it has to move away from just like it's a, a security play, right? And I think it's often where the general masses sometimes bring it bring up a, a ledger, right? They'll say like, oh, you know, you need to secure your your you know your assets at a, at another level, which is there, right? But I think that behavior change is such a, a key component of us like first understanding ownership. But I would also argue one of the and I'm curious how you look at this. One of those weird nuances is that. Ledger is, is, you know, blockchain agnostic or crypto agnostic in many cases, but almost all of our soft wallets are not right that and I think that yeah. ends up becoming, uh, you know, like my community so I, I have a, a coin on a layer two of Ethereum right on rally. Um, I've minted NFTs on uh, layer one Ethereum for my community. And we've done Solana. And for me to get people on a Solana, it was like, wait, I have to get you a phantom wallet. I have to get, mm -hmm. there's like a lot of these like weird nuances that are built in. Now, Ledger is, is working kind of like at a at a base layer kind of a, away from that, but you still kind of have to play with like the migration. So how has that been for you, especially as a storyteller? Because, you know, I was at VFriends, uh, you know, we were there at the event and I loved the collaboration. I loved even like the narrative that you put out there around that event, around what the nano is and people wearing it around their neck, right? And it kind of like I never, I never saw anyone bragging about what cybersecurity, uh, you know, app they had on their computer. <laughs> like, there was nobody, not even, not even us that were in cyber, you know, would, would brag about what tool we had. So talk to me a little bit about like that narrative of like, you know, you're 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 ultimately implementing some things that other pieces haven't caught up yet or aren't at that space to kind of play the same way. How are you guys looking at that from like an onboarding and, and really just stories perspective? Well, you hit the nail on the head because uh, it's actually, it's very fascinating to get to speak to someone whose background is in cybersecurity because we take that so seriously. Like it is the ethos of what we do. And we're just at the beginning of what it means. Like when we're in the internet, we're in a borderless world. And so Ledger is sort of preparing for that, right? And to your point about how do we deal with these different components, we actually have something called Ledger Academy, which is our education platform. And that is free, it's to the public. Everyone deserves the choice of whether or not they wanna participate. And we work with these different partners to try and provide as much information as possible to essentially make Ledger part of the flow. And when I joined and this was emerging, Ledger was like the last piece of the puzzle, right? Like you probably right. bought something, you got rugged, you heard from a friend, what should you buy? You buy Ledger. Then we started to work with partners and be like, okay, well, how do we, how do we become part of the onboarding process? And that was really hard. And part of it too is that we use such unnecessarily cumbersome language. Like it's as if because we're Web3, we need to invent all new things. It's like how I felt when I worked for the first time in media executives and people would say things. And then I'd Google it and be like, oh, we could just say this simpler. And then so many more people would feel included in this conversation. Um, so we really try to make it like, how do we do as many partnerships as possible so that we are at that beginning piece? And to your point, like with the hundreds collab, yep. Bobby's amazing. And they did an animated video series of why having a ledger and you know securing your assets is so important. If, if someone got on stage and did a 10 minute video, you'd be like, oh, I'm so bored. Like, why do I care? But if you have Bobby Hundreds doing an animated video that makes me feel like it's the school of rock, yep. you know, Bill video, you're like, okay, I like that. And so we play into that a lot. Like from a storytelling perspective, we're like different languages. We just did our first collab with Comic-Con. You know, we're like, how do we basically, 
I, I want to say this in the nicest way possible. Like all of our other partners are security theater to a yep. certain extent, right? Like that their primary use case is probably ease of use or adoption for their chain or their platform. Right. And for us, our primary points are security and connectivity. And that's why to your point about Ledger Live or Connect, which is our you know software extension that you could use instead of something like a MetaMask, um, we have seen all of these problems emerge and we wanna give people like the end-to-end -end experience so that as the hardware evolves over time, they also have the software pieces that they need. So they they never have to step outside of the security process, which to them shouldn't feel that way. It should just feel like, oh, this is better and I can feel more comfortable when I do it. I'm curious from you know, I, I love that 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 component, right? Because I think the other piece of this, and you know, I laugh about, you know, I worked working in the government, a lot of what I was doing around single sign-on. And you know, my team actually secured the Pentagon after WikiLinks. And I have some wild stories of uh, of us glue gunning USB ports because we assumed oh my that God. They, yeah, they put a they someone said, Oh, they put an external hard drive in the USB, and we we went around and glue gunned uh, you know, USB ports, and then we forgot that people had USB port mice and keyboards and they came yeah. in to work on that Tuesday and it was like their computers were pretty much rendered useless uh, for many uh, you know cases and and like the security I mean the reason I left so I mean I I left cybersecurity when I did the highest civilian clearance I did mainly just because I wanted to make a bigger impact on the world which sounds really cliche in a way that security is such an, a, an important aspect but a lot of where it was when I left, especially 2013, 2014, a lot of that space was security for security's sake. And, you know, it was, you know, hard hit, you need 30 character password. And, you know, one of my favorite stories I always tell is that, you know, we secured, we moved from an eight character password to a 30 character password, um, doing this massive test for one of the branches of the military. And my narrative is always, we moved to that from eight to 30. It could not be a word that was in the English dictionary, it could not be in your name. So we made it as humanly difficult to create a password. And then we did, uh, we did our own penetration testing over a three month period and found we were way less secure because the complex passwords are so complex people are taking a, a sticky note, putting it underneath their keyboard and writing it down there, right? And I think in this space in Web3, I think part of the narrative has to be about, like you said, the, the behavior changes, but also I think it's like the integration into understanding what is a hardware wallet, right? And I, I'm curious, that's where I wanted to take this one is that, you know, partially because it's shaped like a USB stick in, in many ways, people assume that our NFTs are stored there, right? And when, when I'm on stage talking about the blockchain and everything is immutable, and then someone's like, well, Brian, if everything is on the blockchain, yet you have your NFTs in that hardware wallet in your pocket, and I'm like, okay, now can we, can we break this down? So how, do we, how have you guys looked at that? Because I think that's such a weird narrative that people, like we want them to understand the security layer, but then it also has to fit into the blockchain narrative of, the blockchain is what we're securing the access to that. It's not about physical ownership in our, you know, in our hand. How are you guys, how are you looking at that and like kind of that approach? I think it's such an interesting complexity. Yeah, it's a very interesting complexity and we deal with it still all the time to your point, because it's, I remember actually seeing an article after the Ukraine war started and it was like, woman escapes from Ukraine with all of her monies on a USB stick. And internally <laughs> we were like, that's definitely not a USB stick, but you know, we deal, we deal with it every day. And we constantly have to remind people, listen, we secure your private key. Like we're really a two-factor authenticator. Like right now, that's what the nano is. And that's kind of how we talk about it. We're like, Ledger is the most secure two-factor authenticator. 
if web one was login with username password, web two is login with Facebook or Google, web three is gonna be login with your ledger. And at the beginning right now, we're the verifier and over time will become the actual way that you verify your identity without having to give away more of your information. And so it's essential right now that when we just talk to people, it's like, listen, you are most likely to get rugged because the hacks are so sophisticated. And we kind of treat it from a storytelling perspective. You know, we talk a lot about our dungeon, which is our white hack hackers, which it sounds right. like you're very familiar with that process. And, and we're, re we're really proud of them. Like we see them as like the security audit for the space. And, um, and we share a lot of stories of unfortunately how people got hacked. Um, and so we talk about like, listen, like our job is to essentially make it so that more people feel comfortable working within and existing within the blockchain space. And we're your secure access point to whatever is being built on there. And also, you know, we launched like a month ago, um, our school of block with sandbox yep. and that's our game on there. And it teaches you about the importance of 24 words and like how you're actually securing your private key. It's not, but it's all within over time you get your ledger armor. And we've had almost a hundred thousand people complete it so far. And I think you just have to make it fun. And right. also to your point about, I loved hearing about your kids in the introduction, because I think going a bit younger as well will be so helpful. I mean, it's just a totally different mindset, you know, yep. like, and, and with my daughters, like the funny thing is like, my daughters have watched me interact, you know, they're 12, 11 and nine. And they know that I pretty much don't log into anything without two factor authentication. So it's always like a joke, like daddy, bring your phone over. Right. And I have to open up Google authenticator. And that, that mm -hmm. was always like my layer. I've always been on the, you know, it's partially why I'm not in the security side as well as I've always been on like the, the blended line of like, I, I prefer like ease of use and I will often understand my, you know, my risk tolerance um, on certain mm -hmm. things that I do. And so when I get, when I was thinking about giving my daughters, actually it was back in November of last year and they were looking at a collection. It was called the X punks, uh, a collection that I I've loved uh, since they started because it was really an expansion of, you know, crypto punks, but it was adding uh, equality and, you know, flipping the script on the female male uh, component, also a non-binary component, which to me was something that was like, wow, I can really, you know, get with this, this component. I let my daughters pick out their own one. And I remember like, it was in that moment, I was like, am I going to want them to think about this in a MetaMask way, or I want them to think mm -hmm. about it in a ledger way. And so like we, all three of them sat down and they wrote down their 24 words, right? And we put it down and it's in our, you know, safety deposit box. And I, for me, it was to your point was like, oh wait, if I can create this as the habit for digital ownership, yes. I, I'm, I'm gonna mitigate so many things. Cause I think in a lot of what our job is right now in web three, we have to undo some learning, right? And we have to like, implement some learning in places where people currently can't even see the benefit, right? It's almost like, wait, if I own it, Brian, and now you're telling me it's easily stolen, why do I want to own it? Right. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. like this is like, so I, I guess I'm curious too, like on that side, like we're making it fun. You're getting the onboarding. You, you're kind of having to do kind of double the education, right? Cause even the way the partners, I know you sponsor a couple of my favorite shows. I'm a huge group chat news uh, listener. I've listened to them uh, for a long while. And like, I always laugh because like their narrative of Ledger has changed. I feel like they've been, they're much better now at bringing it, it to light. And I remember early on, I was like, oh man, that's like, it's, you know, it's kind of like cringeworthy. <laughs> it's like, oh, like, like, don't say that. Like, cause, mm -hmm. but in a way, I would rather them say that than nothing at all, right? Because we've had, you know, people storing their, you know, their seed phrases in their, you know, notes app on their phone or, or whatever that may be. Uh, so I'm curious from that kind of that standpoint, 
when you look at like partners, technology, and like the consumer, which do you think is kind of like leading the way on like our adoption of behavior changes right now? Which, how do you look at that? I would say, I think it's a great question. And really it comes down right now more to the um, partners because partners are consumers. Like to your point, most, we have a really strong affiliate business and the way that we work with different partners, like we treat them, I think with a lot of respect and we let them use the language that they want. But when we started, it was like, still people were talking about wallets as if they were temperatures. Right. And it's like, well, that doesn't really work anymore. Like let's, <laughs> let's, let's move beyond this. Um, and, and so we've been able to develop really deep relationships and something as well, you know, when the bear market started, a lot of people had to pull back. And for us, it was like the work we've developed with artists and partners is sacred. Like right. that's untouchable, you know, because that's actually who needs it most during this period of time. And that's when people are going to figure things out. And, you know, if you think back to the early moments of the internet, it wasn't easy. You like tried dial up, maybe it worked, maybe it didn't. It was annoying for the rest of your family, you know, so you went through these hard processes and that's what we're doing oh, yeah. too. And then as the ecosystem gets easier, we make the verbiage easier. We hope to lead the way in that, you know, like we're constantly reassessing how, like how, and because it's very international, we translate into over 10 languages. So we believe that by working with partners, they take our, they take our madness, our security madness, and they make it their own. And then they introduce it. They show that they are a part of it. And then we support them. And that's the best thing we can do in the world. If we can securely support them. And also to your exact point, We've put a lot more um, language around community members, especially in NFTs, should be questioning that leader of how are you helping to keep me secure, right? Because when they're vulnerable and their work is vulnerable, that affects the holders. And that's something that, and you know, to your point about onboarding too, like my video background for those who are watching it is from a New York Cares drop that happened this weekend that Keith Grossman did. Yep. And he raised, you know, over... I think he he minted over 2000 of these um, and raised like a thousand ETH or a, a bunch of money for this organization for people that a lot of them had never really been in the space before. So, and, and he talked a lot about Ledger in that and like making sure you stay secure. So we just want to be a part of all of those pieces. And we didn't ask them to do that, right? He texted right. me and Ian being like, oh, a bunch of people are actually talking about Ledger right now. You know, like, oh, like, are you around? And so we were like, that's great. That's what we want. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. We meant to we minted one of them into our collection. I minted five of those total and I Oh amazing. What, there we yeah, go. Yeah, I love what Keith is doing in that in that realm. And uh and you know, and you know, I think that also kind of comes into that play of, you know, I think unfortunately, like the I mean, like we all I think could agree that the idea of being rugged as an entry point in the in this space is kind of like a disgusting component that existed for far too long, right? It's like, oh, you've been rugged. Now you're a part of the, the NFT community. It's like, wow, how horrible is that, that we have, like, it became so kind of nuanced. But I also feel there's also like kind of the misconceptions of like over, over protecting, right? I know for, you know, big events, NFT NYC, you know, leading up to that, the amount of people that were, I mean, I must have got 300 messages of Brian, are you bringing your ledger to New York as if, like, that was like, and I, you know, of course, it's like, you don't want to give, you know, financial advice or do your own right, research. Right. But like at the same time, I was like, well, I understand what my ledger is to me. And I, you know, and I don't know. Uh, so like I ended up doing the test of if I lost my ledger and I had my ledger seed phrase, could I do it? And I did, I did the test. I have a video of it because I wanted to be like, okay, 
I, I have ADHD. Me free, right. losing something is normal. Me losing something the size of a USB stick, even more common and normal. I mean, I feel I'm on my sixth pair of AirPods, right? Like, <laughs> let's, let's be real. And so uh -huh. I wanted like, I wanted to educate like on even on that side, right? Like the idea that there's a lot of misconceptions and it's misconceptions on all sides, right? There's even the false sense of security. Like, oh my goodness, I can never give, you know, clicking the wrong button on my MetaMask right. could never right. violate. I'm good for life. Yeah. yeah, and it's like, I'm like, hold on, actually, if I would have done that, even with my, my ledger, I still would have been exposed because I'm the one that authorized it through that two factor. So I'm, I guess that that's such an interesting component, you know, from the education, but I think even, I think a lot of people that probably are using ledger right now, probably came into it with, with even their own false understanding of what value it provided. How does that work for you guys? Kind of like, because you have to, you're reaching the masses, but I think in our space, we have to train the trainer more so than anything else, right? We need like every ledger holder, if they understand what the ledger's value is, why they're using it, that's like the biggest weapon of all, right? I think that it's, and it's such a hard uh, space. How are you looking at that? Like reaching like the existing holders that like so many were scared to bring it with them to New York. And yet I was like, but you're willing to connect your computer and access your banking on the you know local Wi-Fi of the event. Like, like let's have some like balance here. I mean, I would say the mind is a beautiful and mysterious place, uh, to your point. So and we spent we spent a lot of time on this. Like I talk to people all the time and I'm like, listen, think about the web three space right now, like a heist film. Like you just gotta pretend that the worst is coming for you. And to your point, people will plug things in all the time and be like, no, I'm good. And that's why we that's why we're creating Ledger Connect because it actually has Web3 check in it. So when you go through, it actually tells you like the potential for a scam or phishing or like it's not just clear signing, it's like clear signing plus. Nice. And because we saw this happening. And so to your point, rolling that out and getting really developers are at the heart of a lot of this too, because new practices that come in, they help instill with security. But we got so many questions about, can I bring my ledger to this big event? And our perspective was like, wear it around your neck, do whatever you want. Like, would you bring your wallet with you to a trip? Probably, right? right? Like you can bring your ledger. Your ledger is so secure. You could actually have, if someone comes up to you on the street and is like, give me your ledger, give them your ledger. As long as you have your 24 words, you can buy a new one, you can set it up. And what a lot of people do too, that makes them comfortable to your point about different accounts is you could have like a bag ledger that you keep at home. And then you could have a mint ledger that you feel chill to wear. There's yep. even an advanced setting where you can have a fake pin code that leads uh. to a false account balance that you could give to someone if they really were like pushing things in an extreme direction. And that's a very extreme right. scenario. That's really not something we deal with, but we've created, um, we were constantly just going back to your point and making sure do people actually know? And to that point, if Ledger as a business ever just completely vanished, you'd be fine. It, to it, it totally operates in perpetuity. So in that regard, um, yeah, we work, yeah, we have to explain it a lot. Uh, some of the stories are amazing though. I'm like, yeah, t tell me what you thought. <laughs> and it, which is, which is also funny. Cause like, I feel like I did a decade in cyber and I left there, spent about eight years in the media content, you know, speaker business. And now we're coming full circle. And like part <laughs> of the reasons that like, were frustrated the hell out of me when I was there, right? Like everything from, you know, people, you know, not only using the same password across, you know, multiple accounts and then being you know, shocked, like, there's no way they stole my bank password. I've never logged in my bank one anywhere. You're like, 
but your Facebook's the same. You're, you're like every, you're like a lot of those things were just like, wow, okay, that's where we're drawing the line. But you know, I also think it's interesting, like, you know, for me, one of my, the most popular episode of this podcast without question is a three by three by three episode. And most people know like the buy three NFT part of it. But like for me, the three wallet component has always been a factor, right? Mitigating risk, understanding some of the, the nuances. And I think, you know, when I did that episode, I think it was episode 11. So this was November 22nd around then, um, you know, I changed since then where before it was like MetaMask, MetaMask and a ledger. Now it's MetaMask, Ledger and a ledger. Right. And I, to your point where it's like, okay, there are some that I know have no business needing be to be in my, you know, on my person, right? Like I'm not listing them. I'm not, you know, they might be, they might be, you know, <laughs> stake somewhere, but for the most part, they're, they don't need to be anywhere um, that is, uh, you know, kind of touchable. But the other part of this, I think is interesting is, you know, I'm buying an NFT every day for a year. So today's day 341, buying different one in the mint phase. And so I travel for whatever reason, a lot of projects like to mint when I'm like at my daughter's soccer game <laughs> for whatever reason. And so mobile experience has always been a big one for me, right? The mobile minting experience. But let's face it, a lot of dApps have not figured out mobile. A lot of like we are really, you know, interestingly enough, like I feel like it's such an interesting play. Like Web 2 figured out mobile first mm -hmm. and then we got in the Web 3 and we're kind of like, oh, mobile, like let's integrate that. How are you guys looking at like that mobile component in the buyer journey because some app, some you know soft wallets are mobile only right they're scanning the the qr code and then others are using browser plugins and then some are have great mobile experiences some have lacking mobile experiences how are you guys looking at mobile's role in kind of this whole space as well uh, you know you'd probably love a tweet that our cto actually just shared i think it was yesterday talking about based privacy and some security elements based on the different browsers that currently exist. And we're, we're talking to Brave about doing more things just because they're a more private browser. Um, we saw at the beginning that desktop was a bigger adoption period to your point, which is funny. It's like, how did we go back to the beginning with Web3? Yeah. You know, and so it's maybe it's nostalgic within it's subconscious or something, but we're seeing much, much higher adoption rates on mobile. And that's yep. why everything we're building now for Ledger Live releases for connect that we're going to release like it's very mobile focused and you'll see with onboarding work that we do and with new product that's coming out it's very much about being mobile friendly about being like showcasing your art being on the go long battery life all of these things um and that's part of why connect is so important like we want it so that you can literally bluetooth you don't even have to go through the Ledger Live app if you're on, you know, an iPhone and you just click and you're good to go, right? So it's it's it's, uh, it's essential to us and we think about it from a content perspective. I would much prefer, to be honest, that we're more mobile friendly because if you look at international rates usage, more people in different countries are using the internet on mobile than they are on desktop, which is like same as Web2, right? So I don't want to have to start over or only be catering to a certain audience because it's easier. Like we want to be as friendly as possible to all people. And let's face it, the amount of like distractions on a desktop with multiple tabs and like the assumptions that are made that like oh, it's wild. It's so yeah. it's such an interesting kind of like juxtaposition when you have to like, I'm like, actually, hold on a second. I, I know but like there was a fault, you know, and it's a false narrative 10 years ago, right? And I think you know, even what Apple had come under fire with early on uh in like the iPhone three and four days where it wasn't like, like the iPhone was less secure. It was like the apps that were being built there. And, and you know, and I, I think it's such an interesting um, aspect. And, you know, the other part of it is like, you know, marketplaces and also 
you know, we live in this kind of like freedom for desire for decentralization, but mm-hmm. we also know that like decentralized just for being decentralized, we lose a lot of benefits and features that have been built into our lives, right? So, you know, with with the Ledger marketplace, with some of the, the other pieces that are kind of being formed around Ledger, what are some of the things that they're kind of like opening up or the conversations that are being had? Because I'm a big fan of competition leading innovation. Like I, I, I'm yeah. such a big fan of that, but I also know that there are some people that will look at certain layers and being like, oh my goodness, this app or this technology is trying to control us. They're trying to centralize things. And, and most of the time, those people are also using like a centralized exchange or believe OpenSea is, is decentralized, right? And like a lot of that, like it's just education. But how are you guys looking at some of those other moving parts like the marketplace to kind of bring some of these conversations to life? Well, you're right that most players in the Web3 space are still operating off of Web2 structures. And they are actually not trying to get you interested. We believe in self-custody. We believe in economic freedom. We believe that individuals have the right to choose. And we are very decentralized in the way that we build to operate. Like Things should be your choice. And we just want you to be more educated about them. Um, Ledger Market came about because literally our Ledger Market drop, the first one we did for our Genesis Pass, was the world's first ever secure mint. Mm. And we we find that to be essential. Like, you know, people who like NFTs understand self-custody. And we did so much work over the past year where we had to start educating communities to educate their users on security. And so with that, if we're able to help brands and help businesses who are inevitably going to get into the space, right? If you look at it, there's no way that in the future, there will be less digital collectibles. It's only how do they come to life and at what point? So you know over time there's probably going to need to be more security and if we can help in a cool beautiful way brands do those drops or artists do those drops it's secure you know it's a secure contract then the users are being prompted to do it more securely then all of a sudden you're creating this ecosystemic effect and to that point like there's no revolution from a technology standpoint without a hardware revolution right like you know, the web two hardware we have does not secure our web three value. And so Ledger has to, we believe it's us, right? Like we have to continue to evolve and innovate to build hardware, the proprietary operating system and a brand that people really want to be a part of to build through that time. And, and web three is not for the weak. Like I think sometimes people forget Ledger has been around for almost a decade now. And so they've, that reminds me of vice too. Like vice got to make a lot of mistakes in video before people were paying attention to short form digital yep. at all. So Ledger kind of got to do that too. And like, they exist really from a pure standpoint. Like they're, we, our business is made up of Web3 geeks that love, love every piece of it. So now it's our job to be like, okay, well, how do we make that translatable, you know? I love that. And I, and I think that is something that's kind of missed I think it's misunderstood a little bit in the in the space. I think because you know, I think all, I mean, I did a whole episode a couple of days ago on just like the true history of blue chip NFTs, and there's like this like weird illusion that they've been like some of them are like the, you know breaking ground, and I'm like, really like you know last May, and like you know I make sure people understand like you know ApeCoin took nine months to come out, yet we want NFT projects 30 days after they launch now to give us a coin and and tokenomics, and I think a lot of that is a little bit of that history, and and I think even with Ledger and understanding you know, beyond just like the, the hardware some component, right? Like when I, the amount of people that I, you know, we, I did a workshop and I brought up Ledger Live, not to talk about Ledger Live, but literally to, to, to do something on the screen share. And people were like, wait, I thought you had to access Ledger through your MetaMask. And it was, a, <laughs> and I was like, oh no, like, 
and, you know, and, and like, I think there's so, there's so many, like, like you said, it, it's not for the week, but it's also as early adopters, a lot of this culture we're setting, right. We're, we're kind of pushing uh, what's possible out there. You know, there, there were a couple of things I just want to throw out just to get your view on, you know, I think a lot of people talk about buying a ledger, right. And I, I'm not sure where the narrative came or if this was like a, a massive problem, but there was like this big thing in Twitter spaces a couple of months ago where anytime someone brought up ledger, they would follow it by don't buy it on Amazon. Everyone's hacking your Amazon hardware wallet. You're going to get a bad one. It's gonna be opened. Now I look at just like every hardware thing that we've ever bought anywhere, right? Like the, the idea of from manufacturer to consumer, there's a lot of weak, there's a lot of vulnerability, right? There's a lot of weak points that could be uh, exploited. Can you, can you kind of like just cover that from a standpoint of like, cause like I think of Amazon as a beautiful onboarding place for people to understand new tech and, and, and technology. But I also want people that are listening to this, be able to understand where that's kind of coming from, because I'm all for buying it directly from the source, but like, I also don't like the scare techniques that sometimes come with some of those caveats that people throw out there. What I would say is Amazon's been a great partner to us. Again, if you go to ledger.com, you can actually see our authorized resellers. Um, people buy them all the time. It's totally fine. Like, you know, you things to be aware of, shrink wrap being affected, right? Um, right. Let us know, we'll help you. Um, but the truth is if you plug in a nano that's been affected, it actually won't allow you to do the onboarding because of the software. So you really don't have to worry about it. And if you'd prefer as well, we actually are in every Best Buy nationwide now. So you can go with cash. We saw actually after a lot of like Celsius and different issues, you can basically get to a Best Buy within 20 minutes of every person in America. And that was yeah. a very good day for Best Buy. Um, and I think it comes about from the fact that Ledger was this cold storage security, right? Yep. So the advice was get it from ledger.com put your assets in it, put it in a safe and never touch it again. Right. Now we enter this world of daily usage and we have to be nimble to that. And luckily we have a product that is secure enough to do that, but that's where it comes from. And we just, when people ask, really try to be as gracious and update them as possible. So yes, you can buy from Amazon. It's totally fine. Yeah, and I, I literally daily usage, and I have mine sitting right here, right here yes. in front of me, like, like literally directly in front. Uh, and this is my, the minting one. Um, but you know, I, I think it's such an, that's such an important piece of this, right? This puzzle where, you know, also I will hear people say like, never mint from your ledger wallet. I'm like, where did that come? Like, where did that narrative come from, right? Like there's like a, there's a lot of these like false, and I think yeah. you know, to your point, there was the assumption like, if you're using this, it must be disconnected from the wall. And like, I mean, I'll, I'll tell everybody, I tell this all the time, like when I was in the cybersecurity spot, the only way that I would tell people they could secure their devices 100% were to smash them with a hammer, put them on a demagnetizer and put it somewhere that, you know, like, and put it into a, you know, a burner. And now you've burned the, you know, cause like anything, yeah, yeah. no matter where it's at. But I, I do think there's like weird narratives around like, don't mint from it, or you can't use it with a mobile device. And I think a lot of that is just such a, it's, it's unfortunate because I think the people that are giving that advice, I don't believe are doing it from a place of harm, but I think it's like one piece of misinformation turns into like a, a, a narrative around something that just doesn't make you know, clear sense. I mean, I honestly would love to know where all of these began, but there is like this long list that always comes back. And I think it's probably from Reddit, to be honest, like <laughs> we've been, you know, I'm like, I'm like, it must have been from something like that, that just decided it was a fact, but you can totally mint from your ledger. It's fine. Um, you know, you just gotta, you gotta take care of yourself. You gotta check. Like the bigger mistake, the biggest mistake you could probably make right now is taking a photo of your 24 words, 
Um, assume anything that you copy or paste in your clipboard is public fodder, right? Um, and you know, because of your background, like there are some people that prefer to use their ledger on a device that they don't use for anything else. If it makes them feel more comfortable, that's fine, but it is very secure. I always say the biggest advice is JOMO, which is joy of missing out. Right. So like, how can I ask a friend, oh, is this the right site? Like I even do it, you know, we have a group chat of people that work at Ledger that are, you know, and once in a while I'll be like, does this make sense? Um, but there is this, this misnomer list. And to be honest, if there's some critical issue, we will tell you about it. And I can tell you that we have like a 24 seven team that will respond to anything. Like we really take it very seriously. And our CS team is lovely. And everyone that works here is kind of an ambassador. So you can WhatsApp someone, you can telegram someone, you can tweet at us, like Pascal will respond. Um, but those are the top, top ones that come up for sure. For nice. sure. Well, well, I appreciate you kind of hitting those on too. I think, you know, I think for me, like security is never sexy, but I think the the narrative here that we've been trying, you know, it, it is a change in habits, a change in the way we're doing things. And the other thing is for every person listening that has taken my advice to get a ledger and you've not set it up right now, pause the podcast and go set it up. The amount of people that I know that have been compromised and the ledger is sitting on their desk, like they've gone as far as buying it, but they haven't set it up. And I will just tell everybody like right now, because of the bear market, like after hours, gas prices are so minimal. I, I must've moved two nights ago, 40 plus NFTs. And the most I paid for any one of them was like 61 cents, uh, you know, compared to $13 on average six months ago. Right. So like the old adage of like, well, I'm waiting till I have enough funds to move things over, like, especially Ethereum based NFTs, like Let's jump on that now. Um, the last thing I just wanted to ask from, you know, your story as a storyteller, I, I think I would, I'm curious just, you know, I think storytelling in this space in like the web three, like we can throw crypto and NFTs in there. You know, it's, it's very interesting because there's sometimes storytelling is kind of assumed based on, hey, there's characters and there's a, a beginning, middle and end. But the, the idea of like where storytelling can take us as far as, you know, you know, digital ownership, creativity, how do you, what are some of the things you're excited about in web three as a whole that kind of bleed into that storytelling and us truly kind of, you know, kind of taking our messages worldwide? Well, something that I think is kind of beautiful is web three is just an acknowledgement of the time we spend online. That's how I see it. Like, yep. it's really just acknowledging that we have this shift now, like we get to talk. It doesn't really matter where we are in the world. If it, maybe it's not hundred percent, but it's at least 70%, right? And as a storyteller, I think we get to put our whole selves out there without actually sometimes even knowing who the other person is. Yep. And that's really fascinating to me. Like we're building all of these acknowledgements of what previously traditional media saw as niche. And then therefore, well, what's the time and value? And inherently in Web3, it's very creativity first. It's about the underdog. It's about um, a piece of expression that you, that you maybe hadn't seen before. And to your point, a story can be beginning, middle, and end, but it's probably not a memory. Right. And it might, not be, um, it might not be like a friend. And I think Web3 is building something where you develop you develop a friendship through the process, you develop a kinship, you develop like a salutation. It's like you've all been through something together. And I think that's very exciting because I find it really unifying. And I have to tell you the people I meet that are in the space, like when I was just traveling, 
One person who now runs a really big DAO in Dubai was a former mortician. Wow. One person that I met that's like has like, because people see the emails and they're like, oh, you work for Ledger? It's like a uh, hotel concierge. One person had a Bitcoin mine in their uh, backseat of their cab. Postal workers in the States. Like, wow. I think it's a really democratizing experience if people know about it and have the choice. And so to me, that's really fun. Like, it's very rare you get to be as a storyteller in something that's even though it feels so web-centric, it's actually rooted in humanity so deeply and anyone can play a part, like the tables reset. So I find that really joyous and um, I, I continue to always like look for that piece of the puzzle in this experience. Well, I think even your background and where what's brought you here, right, is like a perfect example of that, right? And I, I like to say like for me, I've, all, I've been preaching for years, the harmony between technology and humanity. I've never been sold on, you know, technology solving people problems. People solve people problems. Technology can allow us to scale and amplify and, and, uh, and do some amazing things. But I think th there is a beautiful component of this that we are kind of like resetting it. And we couldn't take the power back from like the data and the platforms. There was no reset button, right? So this is the, this is the narrative. And it's really the, a beautiful way for us to kind of uh, reset the mark. Uh, I appreciate you spending the time with us on the podcast. Uh, you know, we've talked about ledgers, you know, since early days and, you know, I love the, the message, the mission, uh, you know, we minted, uh, you know, the brick project, uh, into our, uh, our collection. So I know a lot of Amazing. my community was, uh, enjoying that through, uh, the marketplace as well. So, um, thanks so much for joining us. Anything last you want to leave the audience with anything we should, uh, we should know about or anything, keep our, our eyes on as we, uh, as we get out of here. Well, thank you for your everlasting support. I would actually more say um, if you're a ledger market holder or if you want to get a pass, soon this month there will be an Agoria airdrop that you can claim. Um, and we also have our Black and Black Nano for Genesis pass holders that you can start to claim on November 3rd, which is really cool and kind of flexes a bit of the custom hardware that's coming and more drops to come um, over the next couple of months. But no, I think it's amazing. Thank you for all you're doing. And I'm, I'm like excited to introduce you to more people in the squad because they'd be obsessed with your background as well. Well, thank you. Yeah. And I, I mean, to me, this is all about that. You know, it's a perfect harmony. And, you know, if, even for those that are listening, right, I think the, the narrative, a lot of the things that we're that we're looking forward to, a lot of this comes down to this beautiful idea of digital ownership, which many of us didn't even know was something we were missing from our lives and, and realized that we can unlock some, you know, beautiful doors, beyond beautiful stories. You know, you mentioned that Keith Grossman uh, and what he was doing with time. Uh, and I think just for anyone that's out there as well, like, let's all, like, let's all understand we all have our risk versus reward. We will not, uh, you know, force anyone to get uncomfortable or do something they're not comfortable with, but also recognize that who are you listening to for advice on what you're doing, how you're doing it, and what is their experience? Because I would just argue that a lot of people are are simply sharing their one experience with one piece of hardware or one piece of software. And uh, in this space, there's so many different beautiful ways to do different things. So uh, as always, my friends, uh, until tomorrow, make it a great day. Cheers. The Mint 365 Collection 100-Day Countdown is on. We're counting down to November 11th when we'll auction off all 365 NFTs as one collection, including a custom mosaic of all the art. Want to bid on this one-of-a-kind Web3 time capsule? For details, keep listening to NFT 365.